2: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday
0: edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available
2: on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Oh, like because when I shot it, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So.
0: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On podcast network. Your team every day.
2: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 865 of Locked On Raptors 4 uh what the hell Thursday sure Thursday January the 14th I'm your host Sean Woodley RaptorsHQ.com. you can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley you can find the show at Locked On Raptors you can find links to every single episode of the podcast and of course please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On podcast network covering all of the teams in the big four sports every single day with a local expert it is a wonderful wonderful network and find the shows now that cover the teams that you like in addition to this one uh, it's always appreciated When you subscribe, rate, review, and support. All right. On today's show, in the second and third segments, I'm going to be joined by Dwayne Notice of Raptors 905, most recently, the Hamilton Honey Badgers of the CEBL, the Canadian national team as well. And we're going to dive into the trade made yesterday that uh, rocked the NBA world. uh, James Harden going to the Brooklyn Nets. Karis Levert is now a Pacer. Victor Oladipo is now a Rocket. Jared Allen's on the Cavs. I think Torian Prince is on the Cavs, too, but uh, who can be totally sure? Lots of picks going to Houston as well. Big-ass trade and lots of ramifications. And we're going to dive into the Nets and the Eastern Conference ramifications, dive into the Pacers a little bit, too, in the second and third segments with Dwayne. But first, I want to dive in here to what the Harden trade means for the Toronto Raptors and kind of assess what the next dominoes to kind of fall are now that the Harden trade is done. Obviously, the Raptors did not pony up the Pascal Siakam package. It was probably going to take Pascal plus many, many picks to get James Harden. I have said a lot on this podcast that I'm totally okay with that. Um, Just I don't know if the team was going to be good enough with Harden to uh, make a deep run. At the same time, maybe it would have improved things and, and turned this 2-8 and eight start around. I'm not sure. But, with the way Pascal Siakam's playing late, lately, I'm okay hanging on to him and seeing where things go, because he looks awesome. And so, the Raptors don't end up landing another superstar in an opportunistic trade. But, I do think there are a lot of ramifications for the Raptors that kind of come out of this. And, it really it all hinges on what happens in the next couple of weeks with the team. If the team in the next couple of weeks wins a bunch of games, there's a whole bunch of avenues that yesterday's events kind of open up. And if they continue to lose, you know, four, four out of every five games, there are some other avenues that potentially are opened up by what took place yesterday. And in particular, the team that did not get James Harden, the Philadelphia 76ers becomes quite interesting. So I want to dive into that quickly here off the top. Um, first, let's get into the the ramifications for, you know, if the Raptors are in a position to add, because I do think the moves yesterday kind of hinted a couple things that could be doable for the Raptors and make things a little bit more, you know, feasible once you get to the deadline and the contracts are available. February 23rd is the big, uh, sexy date where everyone's going to be, uh, open for, for business and able to trade on the roster. Um, and you obviously need that for salary matching purposes for a lot of these moves. But I really think that. You're looking at if the Raptors turn this thing around, claw back closer to 500, get beyond 500 or so in the next 15 games, they're very much in a position to try to add to make one last earnest run in a very weird season where there could be lots of opportunity to take advantage of NBA and COVID weirdness to make another deep run and have one last kick kick at the can with Kyle Lowry. Stay good, stay relevant, all that good stuff. The stuff I am very much a proponent of. I am not a tank person. You will not convince me to be a tank person, at least not yet. I'll probably do an episode next week with somebody who is on the tank machine b- brigade and get into sort of the argument and maybe try to have them convince me that take tanking is the move for the Raptors. But for now, I'm very much not there. I think the bones of the team are quite good it's just adding some accessories to a really good top four or five to make this into a team i think can make some noise in the eastern conference do i think they can win the east no i think the nets are probably going to win the east i kind of thought that anyway though this doesn't really change my calculus of what i want the raptors to do you know I, i thought the nets with Kyrie and Kevin Durant were probably good enough to punk the Raptors four games in a series uh, in the playoffs anyway. And that still did not change my perspective on where the Raptors should look to direct themselves this year. And I still maintain the same belief that tanking is bad and I never want to do it. So with that in mind, if the Raptors can go on a bit of a run here, claw back to 500 and, and show you know some results for the good process that has been developing over the last week or two here... I think there are a couple moves that yesterday's deals kind of open up. Number one, and look, this is highly unsexy. Andre Drummond feels like he'll be eminently gettable from the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is, of course, a flawed player. He is worse than Jonas Valanciunas, shout out Masayu Jiri. He is uh, you know, a faulty defensive player who has the big numbers but maybe doesn't drive defense the way you would like a defensive anchor to drive. You do however get a guy who can catch a pass and is taller than 6 foot 8 which is so desperately needed on this Raptors team right now the upgrade from the production of Aaron Baines to what Andre Drummond can give you is pretty ridiculous you would have a guy who could catch lobs from Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet give a vertical threat you'd have a guy who can help with the rebounding issues that are so sorely tanking the Raptors when they're out on the floor right now and the Cavs, I spoke last night just sort of in the DMs with Chris Manning, our friend from Lockdown Cavs, about what it might take to get Andre Drummond, and it really does not seem like it'll take a lot. He, of course, was dealt for peanuts last year. He, It was John Henson, Brandon Knight, I believe, and a second-round pick or a couple second-round picks got Drummond out of Detroit to Cleveland. And because he's a pending free agent now, Chris Manning, our friend, seems to think that it's going to be a pretty similar return if the Cavs are going to trade Drummond. Despite how well he's played this season, and the Cavs have like a pretty passable defense because of how Andre Drummond has played, and maybe because you know Kevin Love hasn't played uh, <laughs> a whole lot anyway. But um, I, I just think the fit there with Drummond, the infrastructure. As I've said, you know the Raptors put a pretty good system in place to get the most out of centers. That has not worked obviously with Aaron Baines. But I think you could probably slot Drummond into your lineup and say, all right, this fixes a lot of what ails us, and be okay with it as a rental. I don't know if you'd want to give him his next contract by any means, but you could certainly talk yourself into him being a good replacement for the brigade of bad centers they have right now it'll take some you know cobbling of a lot of contracts together to make it happen he's a 28 million dollar player this season you'll have to put in Powell you'll have to put in Baines you may have to put in Boucher but I I don't know if the Raptors want to do that for a rental in Drummond Uh, and then obviously like the Johnson McCaw you know eight million dollars you're going to throw in there too You can get yourself there. It'll require the Cavs to wave a bunch of dudes once the trade goes through, but I don't think a team in the Cavs position would have that many qualms about doing it if they can get some assets. And if you're the Raptors... And you want to offer this year's second round pick, which I maintain is a pretty good asset, considering there's a chance they're a pretty bad team. Even if, even if they make the 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 trade to improve the team and go on a run, you know they're at the point now where I don't think it's going to be like the 28th pick in the second round, the 58th overall pick. It's probably going to be somewhere in the 40s, and if that's the case, you know that's a pretty good asset to trade if you're tr- if you're a, a Cleveland team going into this year's draft more. Shots in a very good draft is probably a pretty enticing thing considering you only got seconds, uh, you only gave up seconds to get them. If you can retrieve those seconds, maybe that's enough. And you throw a couple in and try to get Andre Drummond. I, I think that is very much a move that I would be okay with, as unsexy as it is. And as much as we've laughed at Andre Drummond on this podcast for many, many years, I think that would fix a lot of the issues. And because the Cavs got Jarrett Allen, and I figure they're going to want to keep him around. Why wouldn't you? He's quite good. Drummond, to me, feels like he'll be just so easy to pry if you really want to just, you know, if you can match the contracts, which the Raptors should be able to do, uh, I, I don't see why they wouldn't want to, uh, to make that move come deadline time, uh, or the February 23rd, whatever it is. The other move, of course, that is kind of dawning on me is Victor Oladipo. He's uh, able to be traded. There's no stipulation that he can't be traded. Many guys get traded all the time, many times over the course of a season, shouts to Trevor Ariza and Luke Ridenauer. I think with Oladipo, the reason you would want to try to deal for him right now. It obviously would take a lot more in terms of picks and assets than it would to get Drummond. But I think with Oladipo, the appeal of getting his bird rights going into his free agency is super valuable because this is a guy who's had some injuries. If you can offer him extra money on a deal and, you know, sign him without using your your actual cap space, you know, they wouldn't have cap space anyway. They'd be uh, probably close to the tax if they were to give Oladipo a big contract, but I think getting his bird rights is super valuable I think it you know potentially allows you if you want to keep Kyle Lowry around long term you know that makes that a lot easier because you're not having to renounce him to make cap space to sign a guy into your space and for all the depot I mean there were the rumors last year that he was playing against the Raptors with the Pacers with his teammates present and said yo trade for me please. Maybe there's a fit there. Maybe he'd want to come to the Raptors. They're one of the teams that I'm sure will be pursuing him in the offseason anyway. Obviously, he'll have some options as one of the best free agents out there. But if you're Oladipo, I don't know if I'm signing up to sign a long-term deal with Houston. And if you make that known before the deadline, Houston is going to be compelled to deal him. And if the Raptors can cobble together something, and I've been throwing around the idea of a combo deal of Oladipo and Tucker, get those rentals, although Tucker would be more of the rental, Oladipo is a play to hopefully sign him long term you can make that happen you can cobble together you know again the same contracts it's the the Powell it's the Baines it's the eight million bucks of Johnson and McCaw you throw in like a Terrence Davis contract uh and maybe like a Matt Thomas and then maybe a Malachi Flynn honestly to make that an appealing deal you throw in a couple first round picks as well for the future I don't think you'd have to trade like an enormity of first round picks for a guy who is probably walking anyway you might even just take one first round pick maybe a first and a second for Tucker and Oladipo with that whole Package that might get it done. I don't know. We'll have to check with Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. I'm really pretty compelled and interested by this potential move. But for me, that's the move. If you're the Raptors, is to try to make an addition. And the trades yesterday open up possibilities for Drummond and Oladipo, both of whom would address pretty big problems with the team. The the creation on the ball uh, and the lack of any sort of center depth would be really nice and plugged by those two guys in particular. On the tanking side of things, and we'll dive more into this, I'm sure, as the Kyle Lowry trade talk continues to spiral out of control, even though it's far too early. The Sixers, having missed out on James Harden, and realizing, looking around the Eastern Conference, like, huh, the Nets are really good, this, the Bucks are still really good, we might be a guy short, maybe that pushes them to really go all in for a Kyle Lowry trade. And again, I don't like entertaining it, because it's sad and makes me depressed, but if things don't go well for the Raptors in the next couple weeks here, and they are sitting there with a reckoning on their hands of, all right, well, I guess like we can't actually make an earnest run with Kyle Lowry to close the season and give him one last kick at the can in Toronto or Tampa Bay, then maybe that's when you're compelled to, to look around and, and look to deal him. And the Sixers would be damn good with Kyle Lowry. And friend of the show Daniel Hackett's thrown around the package of Danny Green, Mike Scott, Matisse Tybell. Uh, Tyrese Maxey maybe a, maybe a pick maybe not for Lowry and if you get to the point in the season where a, a earnest good run deep into the playoffs seems unlikely and you're just not going to turn it around you're snake bitten it's just one of those lost seasons the Tampa thing is weighing on you and it just is not going to turn around for you then that you know if you can really solicit that good an offer with some good young assets you can fit around your current core you can kind of save yourself some pain, I suppose, and you're not really going to go into a long, prolonged tank. You've got guys to build around your your core three. That's a deal I could get on board with if you get to the point where the season is certainly lost. I still think as long as there's a hope of a playoff run and winning games and you know a potential series win or two, I think you opt for that 100 times out of 100 as opposed to hoping you get the right 19-year-old in the draft. But if you are hoping to tank to the bottom... Trading Kyle Lowry is a surefire way to do it, (laughs) and if you can get some good stuff from a desperate Philly team, then maybe that makes some sense. That's kind of the Raptors angle on the Harden trade. We're going to dive into... The Nets angle and the Eastern Conference angle of the Harden trade coming up in just a little bit here with Dwayne Notice of Raptors 905. He's a, he's a he's a wonderful dude, upcoming media superstar. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll also get an update on his rehab. He tore his Achilles in the CEBL summer series in August, and um, you know it was a depressing injury to watch. I was calling the game when it took place. It sucked. And we'll get the the word from Dwayne on how the recovery is going, and we'll also get his thoughts on how the Nets are going to congeal and how the Pacers look and what the Eastern Conference landscape is now after yesterday's deals. That's coming up in just a sec, but first, let me tell you all about our friends over at Headspace. Even in the new year, it's hard to start a new routine, but if you're one of the 34% of North Americans who made a resolution to be less stressed, Headspace is here to help. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation is, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I got to say, it's hard to focus right now. Everything is terrible in the world around you, but Headspace can help you internalize that all and feel better Every single day, Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. That is a lot of freaking downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at rockauto.com. You know by now, I'm a car dummy. I'm always getting fleeced at the mechanic, but not anymore because rockauto.com helps me not get fleeced by the mechanic. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from the important stuff, the engine stuff, the transmission stuff, to the lesser sort of, less important but visual stuff like carpets and things like that. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need and a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and most importantly the prices that you prefer. Best of all the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers so why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your vehicle right locked on in there. How did you hear about us bucks? so that know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low price is all the car parts you will ever need at RockAuto.com. All right, we bring into today's episode of the podcast a member of Raptors 905, a member of the Canadian national team, most recently a member of the CEBL's Hamilton Honey Badgers. It is, of course, Dwayne Notice. Dwayne, how are you, man? Thanks for being here.
3: I'm good, thank you for you know having me. I appreciate this opportunity.
2: Of course, man. I'm happy to talk to you. Um, uh, first of all, before we get into the Nets stuff and what the deal for Harden means for the Eastern Conference and chemistry questions for <laughs> and how it's all going to fit, uh, how are things going with rehab, man? I, I know you, you, you tore your Achilles in the CEBL summer series. I was calling the game when it happened. It sucked. It's like uh, it was one of the sadder, lower moments of like my professional career. It just was. Oh, yeah. it, it was garbage, man. <laughs> you were killing it in that tournament. And of course, you go down. But uh, how's rehab going? How you feeling? Uh, it's going well. Funny enough, I
3: actually just went to a doctor's appointment a couple of days ago. Saw the surgeon. Um, my surgeon did a great job, Doctor Desai. He did a great job of my surgery, so I'm healing really, really, really well. I'm responding to the recovery really well. I'm actually a month or two months ahead of the, the protocol schedule for awesome. You know where I'm supposed to be. So I'm already on court right now. Able to jump off two feet. Able to, um, you know, pretty much do things at my comfort level on the court. Um, So I'm pretty happy about that. And, you know, if the CBL was to come back in May or June or July, I'd be prepared for it. So I'm just happy about the opportunity that I'm healing pretty well. And I'm
2: looking forward to continue to rehab well and continue to get back onto the court. Are you upset that you'll be missing out on the G League bubble down in Orlando? Or are you secretly kind of okay you don't have to bubble up?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a mixture of both. Um, You know, I have to be sisters, so I never want to put my family in danger. Um, and I know that the bubble situation is, is tough no matter, you know, where you are or who you are, I know that situation is tough. Just, you know, I know some friends that were in the NBA, so them having to go through that situation in the NBA and not be around family for a very, very long time um, could definitely take you out your, your element when it comes to the mental aspect of the game. But, um, yeah, I'm rooting for, for the 905. Um, they're still my family. Um, but, yeah, I, at the same time, I, I kind of need this time away from basketball to, to you know, get right. Um, you know, broke my, my 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 body down, and I'm able to build it back up. So I'm kind of excited about that.
2: That's great, man. Um, all right, let's uh, let's pivot our attention to uh, you know the minor news that happened in the NBA yesterday. The James Harden trade. Harden goes to the Nets. The Nets trade cares Lavert. He ends up on the Pacers through the Rockets. Uh, Jared Allen goes out as well. He ends up on the Cavs. Torian Prince also on the Cavs, I believe, or is he on the Rockets? I don't know. I lost track. The whole, half the league got traded. It was impossible to follow. Uh, no. But obviously, the big question is in Brooklyn, and I kind of want to dive into first how that team is going to look and how it's going to work and then dive into sort of what it means for the Eastern Conference, factoring in the Pacers as well, I think taking a bit of a step back, dealing Oladipo for for Levert. Um, Let's let's start with the Nets, though. Obviously, they're extremely talented now. Their offense figures to be just about unguardable. We don't really know what's going on with Kyrie right now. I would assume he's going to be back at some point, and you'll get those three guys on the floor together. Um, You know, I I guess my question for you is, Dwayne, you know, you know how team dynamics work. You've been on a team before that that was quite good in your South Carolina team. Um, And, uh, you know, obviously a different dynamic. You you guys didn't have Kevin Durant or anything like that. But, you know, curious how you think the dynamic of having three guys who are so incredible with the ball in their hands but all can kind of play off the ball as well do you think the fit's going to be seamless do you think there are going to be some growing pains on the offensive end of the floor or or do you think it's just going to be instantly okay this is just the best offense in the league pretty much with a bullet
3: well to be honest when it comes to to Kevin Durant and James Harden they already played together in OKC so I believe the chemistry is there previously Um, They're also really good friends. So, you know, it's always good to play with a a friend because you're able to hold each other accountable without, you know, it it being a situation where you're you're sensitive. Um, And, you know, we all know KD sometimes gets in that mode where, you know, it's hard for you to talk to him because sometimes he, you know, reacts a certain type of way. So when you have someone like Kyrie and also, you know, uh, James Harden, who I guess, you know, on his friends list, then it's easier to, you know, play with somebody like that. And then James Harden is one of the best offensive players in the NBA history of the game period so to add that manpower on offense I think is incredible Um, but for me it just adds pressure to them where it's like championship or bust that's just how I feel like if you make that Mm -hmm. that big of a trade and you you put together three offensive juggernauts together then it has to be a championship if not then I think that it was just a waste um, of a a trade Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of moving parts and stuff like like you just Said like the whole league I traded. Um, and then James Harden, man, just for how he conducted himself, not wanting to be in Houston and, you know, coming late to training camp and not really trying the past few games and whatnot. I think that, you know, him being invested in giving him new life will allow him to go back to the James Harden that we're accustomed to. And it's, it's going to be good to see him playing in an environment that he wants to be in and seeing how that fits. But like I said, however, I don't know where the Nets stand on defense. They already kind of had trouble on defense before this trade. (laughs) Now, you know, giving away Jerry Allen, um, you know, I understand DeAndre Jordan could protect the paint, but he's not the same player he was with the Clippers, um, him being a little older. So I'm curious to see where the defense is going to come, especially when it comes to their big men, because they don't really have a lot of bigs right now. I mean, I know they play KD at the four, but when it comes to just having like a bruiser in the paint or someone that could protect, protect the basket or be a lob threat, um, I think they're lacking there. But like I said, offensively, they're really good. And then Kyrie, man, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, you know, maybe he needs to take a couple weeks off or, or a week or two off and come back right. But he's just not really into it right now. So, um, you know, seeing KD play without Kyrie, you're seeing him be um, used in more ways. So, you know, for me, I've never seen Kevin Durant have 12 assists. Like, yeah. so him to have 12 assists the other game, um, you know, the game before the Knicks, um, just shows what he's capable of when, you know, Kyrie's not there picking up that slack and being the main ball handler. So, um, you know, I think they'll be all right with, without Kyrie for a bit. I think Kyrie needs to just get his mind right. And then when he comes back, I think that they will be like a three-headed monster, three-headed snake. I think they'll gel pretty well. They're professional. And like I said, these guys play together, um, you know, at Rico Hines. They play together um, at the at the Black Ops. Like, they play together. So it's not like it's the, for the first time ever those three are playing together on the same team.
2: Yeah, I mean, we get so in our heads about, like, the fit stuff with a lot of these teams that come together. Like, oh, no, are, like, James Harden and Chris Paul going to work together? They're both guards who, like, the ball—yeah, they were pretty damn good before things fell apart there, and usually talent kind of rises to the top and wins out, and and I'm with you. Like, the offense is going to be— ridiculous they could score 140 in their sleep it seems and they see and like has anyone ever gotten as many wide open looks as joe harris is about to get (laughs) like it is going to be ridiculous man the defense you're right i am concerned there and when i'm talking when i'm thinking about how they kind of stack up with the other teams that they're probably going to come across deep in the playoffs whether it's in the east or the big teams out west i do kind of worry that you know, they're not going to be able to get any stops when it's most necessary. You know, a, a LeBron, Anthony Davis pick and roll doesn't really seem like something they're all that equipped to, to guard. At no. the same time, if their offense is the most efficient in the league and, you know, bordering on the most efficient we've ever seen, does that really matter? Like, do you think the defense, you know, because, you know, you, you say, oh, they're going to get bio guys and they'll fill out the roster. I mean, bio guys tend to not really impact things all that much more often than not. So with the guys they have on hand, can they scrape by a good enough defense, especially now that Jared Allen's gone, who was such an anchor for them? You know, just to get by on their insanely good offense, like could they have like a number one offense and a number twenty five defense and still outscore teams by enough to to win a title? Do you think?
3: I don't believe so. Um, no. That's just me being biased. I'm someone who takes pride in defense. Um, I, I've always been believed um, through you know systematically, whether it's playing with the Kings or Vidal or playing with. Frank Martin at University of South Carolina or whatever, I've been at Team Canada. I always feel like playing defense gives you the best opportunity to win the game, um, no matter how good you are on offense. If you stop the other team from winning, it's that simple. You're going to win the game. So, like you said, I don't know, man, especially giving up Torian Prince, who's a 3 and D guy. Um, I, I mean, I like Joe Harris. He competes on the defensive end. and you know He's not a bad defender by any means, but he's not, like, the best. And, you know, similar to Kyrie, like, Kyrie competes when he wants to, but he's not, you know, a, a locked in ball, ball defender when it comes to defense. So, um, I think there's a lot of questions that be had about how they're going to be able to compete on the defensive end. Um, I see Kevin Durant's able to guard one through five, so that would be good. But like you just said, when you stack them up with other teams in the Western Conference or when you stack them up with teams in the Eastern Conference, they're going to have trouble sometimes.
2: All right, we're going to finish up the conversation with Dwayne in just one second. But first, I want to tell everybody about BetOnline.ag, our best friends, and they're wonderful, and they're helping you win money on sports every single day. You Sign up for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus, and use that welcome bonus to bet on things like NFL playoff games, NHL games, NHL futures stanley cup projections all of that great stuff it's all available for you at betonline.ag you can even get weird and bet on like croatian basketball and that's great we encourage that very very much don't sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit that is
0: betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts in these alternate sports realities dynasties will fall legacies will change forever new goats will emerge follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcast you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining wondery plus
2: we're going to continue on and uh and dive into uh sort of the landscape of the eastern conference and how you think things shake out and you know where the bucks kind of stack up with the nets and all that in just one second but first i want to remind people to go and tune in to our new betting show locked on bets it's a daily gambling show giving you great insight every single day on everything you need to know about where you should be putting your money down they've got lots of reaction to the nets trade yesterday of course changing the outlook the title odds all of that good stuff go listen to locked on bets wherever you get your podcasts right now okay Dwayne. so the eastern conference i think you know it's been very weird and jumbled there's been covid there's been injury it's been very unpredictable the raptors are 2 and 8 even though they have the sort of statistical profile of a 500ish team and i figured they're going to turn things around and very little is settled mm-hmm. with all that said does this trade do you think put the nets like clearly in a tier of their own do, do the bucks because of their you know, maybe, I guess, significantly better defensive talent? Do they have a shot at kind of hanging with the with the Nets here? Or do you think it's the Nets conference to lose at this point?
3: Yeah, I think it's the last thing you said. I think it's the Nets conference to lose at this point. I actually said that earlier before the Harden trade. I said, like, the right. Nets are so good, especially the way they are playing at the beginning of the season. I know it's still early, but in preseason, the way they, you know, offensively just manhandled teams, I was like, the only way that they'd lose is when they get in each other's way. And that's pretty much what started happening. Um, You know, they lost a game or two, close games. And then, you know, everybody kind of got in their heads. And, you know, I'm not going to say they hit panic mode or whatnot. But then, you know, Kyrie kind of started, you know, going on with the antics that he's going on with. So um, then both him and KD sometimes didn't play back-to-backs. And whatever the case may be, it was just inconsistent. So it was just them beating each other, them beating themselves, them getting into each other's own way. But outside of that, it's like, if they didn't have any of those mental issues um, in terms of like, as a, a team, um, then I think that they would have been that, uh, not six and six or whatever they are now, is six or seven and six, wherever they are now. And they would have been a better team and better record that, you know, the record shows.
2: Totally. Um, I'm curious about the Pacers, too, man, because I, I think it's, you know, Lavert's a good player. I don't think he's as good as Oladipo, and I think, you know, it's an interesting fit next to Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis, considering Lavert's a guy who likes to have the ball in his hands quite a bit. And those two guys kind of run the show for them more often than not. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think it's obviously like a long-term play for Indiana. They kind of read the tea leaves that Depot wasn't going to come back. And so they're trying to get a guy who's on a contract long-term that they can, you know, pencil into their future plans. Um, you know, first of all, a question for you just as, like, a team dynamic type of thing. Like, the Pacers have been a lovely surprise so far this season. They've been quite good. They figure to be right in the conversation for home court once again, which they always seem to be, despite uh, people like me always picking them to finish 7th in the East. Um, you know, do you think that's, like, a hit to just the vibe in that Pacers locker room to lose a guy like Oladipo, or is it more, uh, okay, Oladipo wasn't really in it anyway, there was all these this talk in the summer about how he wanted out regardless, and he was asking other teams to trade for him and stuff like that. Um, do you think there's any risk of sort of a drop in morale there that could affect on the court? And also, do you think the Pacers just talent-wise can hang in that race for home court uh, going forward with Lavert now?
3: Yeah, I think what you just said makes complete sense. I mean, when you're, you know, an organization, you're hearing from somebody that they want to leave before the season even starts. You know, just my experience of being a basketball player, when you hear stuff like that, it does affect team morale. And you start to kind of, you know, how the Rockets felt when James Harden was, you know, speaking, you know, candidly at the press conference or speaking out about how he wanted to leave. You kind of feel like disrespected, like, all right, you know, I understand that, you know, the situation is not what you want it to be. But, you know, you still have to put your your boot on and and, and strap up and still come out there and give your 100 percent every night. So, um, you know, I haven't really been keeping up with the Patriots either. So I'm not really sure how all the people have been playing. But I'm sure that they're, you know, as an organization, I know as a basketball player, when someone gets that trade that they wanted so desperately, then you're probably, you're, you're, like, all right, you know, go ahead and do your thing. We wish you the best. But all right, now it's time to, to be with people that actually are committed to one common goal right here that, you know, is selfless and which is winning and not about their personal situation. So I think they're actually going to be better off without Odell leaving. I understand he's a big part of the season and, and a part of their success in recent years especially since paul george left but i think that they're going to be better without them especially karis Avert is someone who i think needed this opportunity and time um he was on t- he showed it in the bubble against us in the Toronto raptors where he was able to be so effective with the ball in his hand like you said before i don't know how it's going to work with malcolm brockman especially watching malcolm play he definitely you know dribbles the ball a lot and he's the type of guy that has the ball you know a couple pick and rolls his opponents here and there um a couple good actions here and there but um, it'll be interesting to see, like we, we talked about it earlier, you know, they're professional um, in terms of fitting and gelling in. I'm sure they're going to be able to offset um, who has the ball in their hand throughout the, you know, throughout the game, duration of the game, but it's going to be exciting to see Chris LeVert be free. Um, like I said, we saw it a little bit in the bubble and we saw what he was capable of at a young age and continue to, you know, harness his craft and get better, especially on the offensive end, And his decision-making Um By no means, well, I think he's a superstar or a franchise player. But I definitely feel like he's an all-star caliber player um, if he's able to put it all together and be consistent. So it's going to be exciting to see him coached by, you know, Nate Bjorken. Who, you know, I think the Pacers are doing well because Nate Bjorken comes from, the, you know, the DNA of Nick Nurse. So for him to take over from that, you know, offense and some of that, you know, kind of strategy. And like, uh, for example, I think I was watching them play um, the other day against the Warriors they're boxing one against Steph Curry. And I immediately thought of like, Nick, <laughs> I immediately thought of like Nick Nurse and Nick Nurse, two out of boxing one in the NBA, um, and just things like that. Their stagger actions, their get actions and all that. So um, they're being prepared and coached really well. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be coached by Nate Nick, Nick Bjorken in uh, the Team Canada. So I understand, you know, his detail and his commitment to to his game plans and how serious he is. So I'm not surprised that, you know, the paces are fourth or fifth or whatever in the Eastern Conference right now.
2: Dwayne, man, that's uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to sort of dive into all this and offer your insight. And uh, we got to get you back on the podcast soon, man. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're great. We're, we just, we'd make you a regular if we can. Uh, and I'm also glad to hear that your rehab is is going well. Thanks so much. And uh, you have a YouTube show, right? Tell people where they can find that.
3: Yeah, they can just follow me. I have a YouTube channel which is under Dwayne Notice or Do Take Notice. And uh, yeah, I have a podcast where I kind of interview my you know MBA. WNBA friends, um, athletes, staff, um, trainers, and I'm hoping to just continue to to kind of shed light on different players that don't have the platform, you know, the opportunity to speak on their situation or their life, their journey. And we kind of have fun games with the two as well. So it's a pretty good uh, show called, you know, Take Notice. And I, I hope everybody goes out there and supports it. Um, I think it'll be good for you know the basketball community and and, and the world in general.
2: You're blessed with an extremely good name for making a name of a yeah. show, uh, so congratulations on that. Yeah. And yeah, everyone, go uh, check out the show. Dwayne, thanks so much, man. It was really great having you. That is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, to rate, review, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated when you take the time. And uh, always, always check out the rest of the Locked On Network too. We've got stuff covering every single team in the Big Four sports and the Power NCAA conferences. The Maple Leafs played a game last night and they won. Go listen to Locked On Leafs today with Mike to stefano to get the lowdown on how they won that absolute banger of a game against the canadians on opening night so that'll do it for today we'll be back again on friday to break down the game against the charlotte hornets until then have a good one we'll talk to you on friday with another episode of lockdown raptors